Hi, I'm Kate Montague. And I'm Jess Binnett. And you're listening to the Audio Craft Podcast, a series of recordings from our 2017 conference. This session's Building Your Kit with Stephen Tilley. This one was super nerdy. Picture Stephen, one of RN's whiz-bang sound engineers, in front of a desk that's covered in microphones, recorders and XLR cables. He unpacks some of the hows and whys of what gear to use and shares a bunch of tips of how you're going to get a really good recording. I just want to talk about some of the techniques we use in recording and simple ways you can avoid mistakes and ways, simple ways you can make your work better. I suppose working with a lot of program makers at the ABC, I see the same common mistakes being made over and over again. <laughs> and that was one of them. That was designed. Um, yeah, the same mistakes being made over and over again, and particularly from new program makers. So there's a, a few simple things you can do uh, that can have a dramatic effect on the quality of your recordings. And I also want to talk about portable recorders and about microphones and uh, different you know, developments in technology that are going to make your recording sound better. What recorder should I get and why that's a difficult question? <laughs> this is something people are always asking, what recorder should I get? And the, and the, question, and the answer is always the same, is what are you trying to do and how much money have you got? <laughs> um, there is a multitude of recorders from very expensive things like this to cheap things to small things like this. So it depends on what are you trying to record, you know, in what sort of situation you're going to use it, how, what compromises you're willing to make about price and you know, how much you're willing to spend. If you're willing to spend a lot of money, you can get a lot of expensive equipment uh, it, that may not even necessarily suit the task you're trying to do. Um, so I just want to look at some of the factors that people base their decisions on when they buy recorders. Um, size and portability. That's a, a really um, important thing for a lot of people. They want a recorder that is small and it's able to be slipped into a bag easily. Uh, the compromise with that obviously is uh, the quality of the microphone and maybe the quality of the recorder itself. So there are some good small recorders, um, but for some people having a, something that's very, very portable is really important because the more likely you're, the lighter and more portable it is, the more likely you have to carry it with you and the more chance you have of taking advantage of recording opportunities that pop up suddenly. So some people look for special features, particularly if you're a musician. Uh, some recorders actually have, like this one, the ability to plug in guitars and keyboards or they have uh, effects or the ability to overdub music or to put, a, um, say, a metronome or a guitar tuner. So if you're a musician, that might influence your decision. The ability to operate as an audio interface. Some of these are not just recorders. You can actually plug them into your computer and use it as a way to get sound in, to play out of other things, to um, uh, plug a microphone in and, and directly record into your software without actually having to record onto the recorder and then transfer it across. The ability to plug in an external microphone. Some recorders, like for instance, that has connectors so you can plug in a professional microphone. Some don't have those connectors. And I'll come back to that a bit later, but they're called uh, XLR connectors. And um, it allows you to use a different quality of lead and have a more stable connection to your recorder. Battery life is another thing. Some recorders uh, have very uh, long battery lives. It, and um, that can be a real factor for people. And if it's a specialised battery, for instance, this is a, a recorder that uses, uses a specialised battery, uh, you can't just go into any shop and buy that, and it's designed to be long life and rechargeable. The downside is that if you're in the middle 
you know, you're traveling somewhere and you can't find a PowerPoint, you can't just go to a shop and buy some batteries. Some uh, people are using their phones to record on too. Um, I think it's got a lot of possibilities. Generally, if you're using your phone and just holding it up to someone's mouth, it's a, a lottery. You may get something that's vaguely useful, you probably won't. Yeah, I think if you use uh, a mic that's designed to be plugged into to phones, I think you'll get a better result. I think that's totally dependent on the quality of the microphone. Um, if you plug in, if you have a, an average quality mic plugged into a phone, you'll get an average recording. So I think that as more and more professional microphones designed to plug into phones and interfaces, you'll get better results. You're also dependent on the quality of the app. Um, a recorder like this only does one thing, a phone does a lot of things, um, and that, that, that app isn't going to crash very often, whereas a phone you are totally dependent on the quality of the app and the updates and the features that they give you and the condition of your phone. And I think um, memory space is the big issue for phones. You're competing with your music, what other files you store on it, and um, also the other thing is uh, to be careful of if recording on the phone is using compressed formats. You want to record in WAV full uncompressed formats. Some apps on the phones don't record in a a WAV file is sort of like a, a full quality phone. Some of them use MP3 style fi files, uh, like the memo apps on phones. So I think um, if you have the right equipment and use it in the right way, phone is a definitely a possibility. Um, I think some people like separating those two parts of their life out <laughs> and um, having something that just has one job and they, and they can depend on it to do that job. But I think... Um, the good thing about a phone is it's always with you, but um, I have seen people doing recordings holding the phone up to people's mouths, and um, I sometimes wonder how they turn out. <laughs> um, so when you pay a lot of money for a recorder, I think, what, what are you paying for? What are the features that differentiate a cheap recorder from an expensive recorder? And I think one of the main ones is what we call the mic pre's, which is the mic pre-amplifiers. They're the things that take the low-level output of a microphone, which is very low, and convert it up to a high level so it can be recorded. The difference between these two recorders is price and that those microphone, those preamps in that can amplify very cleanly and smoothly. And you really notice that if you're using what we call a dynamic mic, and I'll come to that later, which are low output. Smaller recorders like this might have hiss on low level recordings. If you're um, recording very quiet voices or low level atmospheres, uh, the mic preamps in this aren't quite enough and you'll start to hear a noticeable hiss on your recordings. Louder sounds, it's less of a problem. So that's, uh, and also the distortion, its ability to handle distortion. Um, the cheaper the mic pre's, the less its ability to handle loud noises suddenly and you have less, less, less of a margin of error for mistakes in your recording. So one of the things you pay for when you buy more expensive mic pre's is the ability to protect yourself from um, you know, sudden, sudden um, noises, um, sudden loud noises, and distortion. Distortion and noise are the two factors that differentiate a cheap mic from a preamp from an expensive one. The other differentiating factor is the connectors, as I was talking about before. These connectors here are called XL connectors, XLR connectors. Uh, some Recorders just have a small, what we call a 3.5 uh, headphone type connector. They can be good, but 
these rec these connectors here um, they're less likely to suffer the connections less likely to suffer from noise um, as in interference they protect you from interference you can run them you can have longer cable runs for instance if you had a, a microphone and you're running at 10 or 20 meters with the kind of the headphone jack style mic input you'd start to run into the possibility of interference from um, radio transmitters or phones and things like that whereas this is protected against it it's a secure it's a physically secure connection it actually locks into the connector and it can't come out which I think if you're running around and recording and you are jumping around a lot it's very easy for the smaller connector to come out whereas this is designed to lock into place the other thing this can do is it can supply power to your microphones which I will come back to later it's a much more secure connection and it allows you to use more professional microphones so it's a real it's an industry standard connection um, you can get adapters if your recorder doesn't have that it's not the end of the world if your recorder doesn't have that but I think it gives you far more possibilities for the sort of mics you can use and how you can use them and to protect you against problems a microphone like for instance this one which has that connector on it uh, requires power and like I said this recorder can supply that power and generally for generally if a recorder has those connections on them it will supply phantom power which is what that power is called to that microphone the, one of the other factors when you buy a more expensive recorder is that um, you start to move from you're setting your recording levels from buttons that has no kind of control to like no knob to change the record level you do it with buttons on the menus whereas a recorder like this actually has a knob on it and it sounds simple but it actually can make an enormous difference when you're recording um, with buttons you're pushing the recorder you have more chance of handling noise and um, it's just a more annoying way to set your levels I think everyone agrees don't they the meters that's a really interesting one um, some of these more expensive recorders or actually not even expensive ones but it is a, a factor to look at when you're looking at recorders if you're going to be recording outside a lot um, how easy are your meters and how easy is the display to see outside um, that lights up in color it's quite easy to see um, so it's worthwhile checking with people who have one if you know anyone who has a similar recorder if you're thinking of getting one how does it react in sunlight you know if you are outside in full sun I think there was a Marantz recorder we used for a while on the ABC that uh, the meters were you couldn't read them in full sunlight which made it really difficult as people were outside and trying to set their levels and had no idea of the levels the headphone amplifier so you you want your recorder to be able to generate enough level from the headphones so that you could plug a wide range of headphones and um, not, all, not all headphones are the same some need a more powerful amplifier so you want to be able to uh, make sure that it can actually deliver that level of volume and also if you are going to use your recorder as a way some people use them as a way to play back music too so you want to make sure it actually has um, a good headphone amplifier um, the build quality you can see that's a metal body it's a hard case it's designed for tough work if you drop that it's not the end of the world uh, whereas something like that has a plastic case and it is more likely to be damaged so that's one of the things when you pay a lot for a recorder you get a bit more protection um, for the actual case and for the microphones the microphones on these are quite um, vulnerable to damage uh, things like dirt moisture uh, dust they're all 
bumping their all the enemies of those microphones, they can be easily damaged. Um, and options, in terms of um, some recorders can take multiple cards, they can take multiple ways to power it. You can power it from batteries, you can power it from a battery pack, you can put two levels, you can, has it internal storage, it has a card you can put into it, a memory card. So when you're evaluating whether to buy a recorder or not, there's some of the factors you can look at. How you're going to use it, what features you want, and the quality of the features in the recorder you're looking at. The handling noise one is an interesting one. Uh, that is, if you're using the built-in microphones and you're using it to interview people, how much handling noise does the case have? Some recorders are less uh, susceptible to handling noise. Some are very susceptible, that if you handle them and you move slightly, um, that can be transferred into the microphones, which is another uh, reason to consider using an external mic where your microphone isn't in the recorder, it's a, a separate plug-in one, which I'll come to. Ergonomics is another one. Are the meters easy to see when you're using it? If you're recording someone, can you actually... There's a couple of models of recorder. When you're recording someone, you can't actually um, see the meters if you're holding the recorder up. It's surprisingly simple, but it, it is something that will really interfere with how you're working. If you can't see if someone is too loud or too quiet when you're, you're holding the recorder up the, at the angle of the display, you might not see it. So that's something to check out if you're evaluating a recorder. Also, um, reading reviews. There's a great site, uh, an NPR site called Transom, and there's a guy called Jeff Town who does excellent reviews of portable recorders, and that's uh, an amazing resource. And he actually evaluates them, tests them, and not from the point of view... A lot of reviews are about using recorders for recording music or from people who maybe aren't using it the way we want to use it, which, you know, for making podcasts, making radio programs. And it's a lot, uh, particularly on things like Amazon, a lot of the reviews say things are fantastic because people maybe haven't used a range of recorders and it's fine for their simplistic use, whereas uh, the Transom site reviews them from the point of view of program makers and they review models and talk about things like different sort of microphones and the sort of things I'm talking about now. So it's a really good resource and if you're thinking of buying a recorder, definitely check that out. The other thing is talk to friends who have recorders, borrow one. There's nothing like using one. If you can borrow a recorder for a couple of days and use it and get a feel for it, um, you can see whether you know you like it and it's going to suit how you're going to record. Anyone have any questions? Yeah, Stephen, I've been frightened of fluorescence ever since one inflicted a horrible buzz on a recording I mm, made. Yeah. Um, and it's so long ago, I can't remember what the mic setup was that I yeah. used, but is there some, I notice, you know, they're here, is there some rule whereby, you know, you can avoid getting that buzz from fluorescence, or why does it happen? How can you avoid it? Um, it's generally a faulty fluorescent, often when they're, um, they're flashing or it's, it's, there's something wrong with the... Um, the ballast transformer, it's, it's normally a fault. And it's also a possibly a fault in your recorder one, or one of your leads. If you use those balance connectors, you're much less likely to get that noise. Some recorders are more susceptible to interference. I think you had a, what you had was a faulty fluorescent that was, gen, that was buzzing and generating a really, essentially a, a giant spark. It's like a spark transmitter. So um, I've come across that too. Things like some fridges, anything that involves motors or... Radio transmitters is another one being too close. Um, it's a factor of how much work has gone into your recorder to shield it from those things. 
the connections you're using. The longer your microphone cable, the more likely you are to get interference, particularly with unbalanced, which is not using that XLR connector. So, um, yeah, the only thing you can do is walk away from it or get it, turn it off. Can yes. Can you Look, yeah, sure. Uh, the question was, can you record some of that sound and cancel out later in the computer? Look, it's a great idea to record like samples of sound or have them in the clear so you can use noise reduction s software. Um, it's infinitely better to, sol to sort it out at the time. Obviously, if you don't notice it, you can't do that. But you can use, yeah. So if you have um, a particular noise or a troublesome thing, yeah, always record a bit of silence of just that noise, and you can use that as a sample for your noise reduction software. Particularly if the sound is acoustic in nature, if it's electrical, you have a, quite a good chance of getting it out, but um, uh, it, it, it's never a perfect result, so it's always a compromise. But yeah, that's a good, a good point. If you, have a, if you can't avoid it, um, at least get some in the clear without someone talking or breathing over it, and you can use it as a sample. But if you do do a sample, it's important that you don't move your mic. You have your microphone in the the place where you're doing the exactly the same spot, so it can take the acoustic sort of fingerprint of it. Yes? Um, I'm coming back to the uh, not recording using your phone. The yeah. only time that I do record using our phone is um, the other person's phone on the end of an interview over Skype. Yes. Um, so to sync, and just because I find that the phone recording that they take is better than the Skype recording that I take. Absolutely. That's is, a great use of that, yeah. Is there a better alternative, though, for in that sort of circumstance that you know of? Um, that's a, that's a, a much better than a Skype line or a phone line. Um, if they have access to a portable recorder and recording, you know, like a sync recording, what they call it. If, if they have something like that, they can record at the same time and send you their side of the file. That's a way around it. But... Um, often if people are musicians, I often ask if people, you know, if, are you a musician? Because often musicians tend to have equipment like this. They have microphones, they have recorders. But um, definitely the recording locally on the iPhone or any smartphone is a, a good way to get a better quality recording. It's, I don't mean to disparage, you know, the recording on phones because I think you can actually, you know, you can get good quality recordings that are superior to things like Skype by recording it like, you know, locally. Stephen, we're often asked by our students um, who want to work in radio or podcasting, yeah. what should I get when I leave mm. uni and can't use the equipment anymore? Could you just maybe suggest, like, what would be the best sort of mid-range, I don't know, combo of recorder and mic? And... <laughs> yes, that's right. I know it is. But if you, I know, and I, but you know, if you just had to sort of theoretically take a punt on that, yeah. And how much does the sound device cost? <laughs> well, first of all, I would go to that transom site. I think that's a great source of reviews. Um, that is a that's a Tascam. I think it's a DR40. That's probably about three hundred and fifty dollars. Um, it has its limitations, but there is a few things in that. Um, price range. The Zooms, I think the Zooms are good um, for the price. They all have their kind of compromises, um, but I think as a starting point, um, something, you know, similar to that, and you could use the inbuilt mics as long as you're using, like, protection against wind and things like that. Um, it does have the XLRs, yeah. So it, it, it's not great. This particular one can be a bit noisy with dynamic microphones. Um, 
which have a lower output. But I think that's a, I don't want to single any particular recorder out, but I think in that, in that bracket, the zooms and the Tascams in around about the 350 to 400 bracket do a good job considering their limitations. Uh, in terms of a microphone, um, I think there's, um, that one's quite a good one, that is a Rode shotgun, NTG2. Um, it's it's uh, not too bad, it has the limitations of, and the advantages of a shotgun, it's very directional, uh, it would be susceptible to wind and handling and things like that. But um, there's also a mic called a AT8010, which we use at the ABC a lot, which might be uh, a little more expensive, but I think as a starting point, uh, kind of a medium level recorder with built-in microphones um, that reviews well is a good starting point. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll get through. My advice, read the manual twice. Because <laughs> the first time it doesn't make any sense. After you've been using your recorder for about three, four, five months, go back, dig the manual out and read it. I know it's boring, but it'll actually make sense. You'll be amazed at what the new toy you bought, what it can do, because you won't, you'll be so busy doing the simple task with it, you'll, you'll forget actually how the manufacturers want you to use it. Things like recommended levels, recommended settings. So it's, if you have a recorder you've been using for a while and you feel confident using it, that's exactly the time to go back and read the manual. What's the right microphone and why that's a difficult question. Um, maybe I should go the, through the types of microphones. I'll quickly go through the different types, and this might help you to differentiate them. Um, dynamic electret condenser. Dynamic microphones are small, tough mics. Uh, you'll often see them being used as vocalist mics in music. They're designed to be handled. They're designed to be resistant to being knocked around, to being, um, being used closely. They're actually they're designed to sort of take abuse. Um, the downside with them is that they have low-level outputs, which highlights the problems with these portable recorders, uh, which is that maybe the mic preamps can't actually supply that amount of amplification without introducing a bit of noise. That's a popular mic there. That's called a, a Bayer M58. Um, you probably see them on TV. Now that you've seen it, you'll see them on TV. It's designed to be for electronic news gathering, so um, it's, it's an omni, which we'll get to what that means, which means it picks up from all directions. Um, it has a, low, a notoriously low output, so it's a, if a, a lot of recorders can't handle it without introducing noise. Um, but it is tough, it's designed to be used in storms and wind, as long as you have the right protection on it. So that's a, that's a dynamic mic. Um, doesn't require any power, it just um, has a low level. The next one is an electret, uh, which is... Those microphones are generally what they call electret mics. They're sensitive, they have a good output, but they are very susceptible to wind, popping, as in popping, the, the sound of your, your, um, your voice on the mic, and um, handling noise. So they are, they're good, they're cheap, which is why they put them in this. They have a good frequency response, but they are susceptible, like the next ones, which are condenser microphones. They are... Um, better, generally better quality than the electrets, generally, and uh, suffer from some of the same the problems. Uh, they do like uh, the electret, they require power, so that 
whereas this microphone doesn't require power. This one require pow requires power either from a battery or from the XL connector, the phantom power. So some of them actually have a battery built into them or it can take power from the recorder. That can drain the batteries a bit in the recorder, but um, if you protect the microphone correctly, a, a condenser can sound beautiful. That's what they would use for um, high-quality atmosphere recording. Not to say that these aren't ba are bad, but I think um, the next level up, up is the condenser mic, and that's reflected in their price. Microphone patterns. That microphone there is what we call omnidirectional. So if you are buying a mic, that's what you, you're looking for. What is the pattern of it? That means it picks up from all directions. It doesn't discriminate. Even though it, it feels like I'm pointing it towards you, it actually picks up as a sphere all around it. So that's an omnidirectional microphone. They're less susceptible to handling noise than other types of microphones. And they like them for interview microphones because you don't necessarily have to have it in someone's face. You can put it between you and you can pick up two people equally. Um, the next sort is a cardioid, which um, picks up from one direction, which means that you can face the back of the mic if you have a particularly loud noise coming from, say, a room like that. You can face away from it and it will uh, be less sensitive to sounds from that particular direction. Uh, they can be a little more direct, um, susceptible to handling noise and they're good in situations, for instance, like this. When you're amplifying a sound, uh, you have less chance of feedback. And the next one is a hypercardioid or a shotgun, which is this. That's what we call a shotgun mic. Uh, that is a very directional microphone. It's designed to be pointed at sources and to null out sounds from the side and the back. It doesn't null them out to nothing, but it, um, it is really useful if you um, want to really focus on particular sounds and people use them as interview microphones because it, in noisy environments it can actually um, reduce that interfering noises. Comparison listening. Um, it's really useful to train your ear in the sound of different microphones and different recorders and start to take notice of the differences between them. It's really good if to use uh, two microphones uh, and to make rec similar recordings and then actually compare the sound, find out what was different, the advantages of one um, and to, I think we do this naturally but it's a really good thing to um, I think people get so used to their recorders, for instance, recording interviews on something like that, that when they use a microphone like this, suddenly they realise um, what they thought was a good recording was actually too far away, it was too live, and something like this really focused in on the person's voice and had got less of the room. So you don't actually notice that till someone, till you compare it uh, with other recordings. As we were saying before, it's easier to fix things when you're recording it than later. So if, if there is a problem later, there's very few miracle fixes to fix things. Noise reduction can fix certain things. It can do amazing jobs, but it's always better to fix things at the source when you're recording it. Using two microphones. If you have uh, a recorder like that and you actually have two external microphones, it can give you a great advantage. It means it's, it's basically a two-track recorder. You can put one mic on one person, one on the other, and later when you're mixing it, if there's uh, noise on the other channel, you can actually cut the level of that. So you have the ability to go back later and to drop the level of uh, one of the microphones. And that's, it's a very, very useful thing. Um, but you can also put, um, if you have an external mic, you can put it on a stand like this, which is useful, rather than holding it to reduce 
uh, handling noise. The other big thing I think when recording is listening. Um, I think sometimes people get very caught up in the moment and sometimes what I find is quite useful if you're about to record something is to close your eyes and to actually listen to what's in the room because I think what you see can be very deceptive. I've seen recordings that have come from really beautiful places that look visually very amazing but when you listen to the recording there's nothing there that gives you any sense of that place. It's, and if you listen... Um, you'll hear things, for instance, in a room, things like a fluorescent light. The fridge could be really noisy. You can turn that off. Just remember to turn it on. Air conditioners, fans, um, a radio in the background. They can, they can add atmosphere and also a real kind of feel to a recording, but when you go to edit it, particularly a radio or a TV in the background, every edit you do will edit that radio and TV, and you will pay for that <laughs> in the worst possible way. So... Um, you have to get a bit bossy and you have to tell people to turn air conditioners off, turn fans off, turn radios off. Um, it, yeah, because otherwise you're just creating a huge problem for yourself. Listening skills. Um, does everyone know what popping on a microphone is? Everyone knows it's when you get too close and you pop. That is a real problem with a lot of microphones. It's almost like the main problem. Um, but, and the, the more sensitive, sometimes the more expensive, the more likely they are to pop. So what we have here, and popping can be just, it can be from your, um, from your breath, but it can also be from wind. On a very windy day, a lot of these portable recorders are very susceptible to wind. If I was to take that out on the street, and anything, a gen the gentlest of breeze would, would um, really cause you a problem. And which is why my next point is about wearing headphones. Uh, it's really important to listen while you record because otherwise there could be problems happening that you just don't know about. Um, so how do you prevent popping and wind damage? Um, one of those, everyone's seen them before? It's a fluffy... Uh, now that can, it can make it sound a little dull sometimes, so you wouldn't use it if there was no wind problem, um, but definitely you, it's the only way you're going to get anything useful from an outside recording if there's any sort of wind blowing is to use something like that. Uh, a foam pop filter on microphones is a good working practice. And this here is a... Uh, I, I call it a Rycote. That's a brand name. This is actually made by Rode. They sometimes call it a blimp. They sometimes call it a, a Rycote, like I say, is a brand name, which make very good equipment. Um, um, a mic suspension mount. Uh, that's one thing you could call it. Uh, <laughs> if you... A windshield, yeah. I just always call them Rycotes. But... Um, that is designed to hold a microphone and it's got a suspension mount on it, which means it's got uh, rubber straps. It's designed to prevent vibration and that's designed to prevent wind. So if you are going to be recording outside, it's, it gets a bit bulky, but they are a really useful tool. You should see custom, when you're going through the x-ray machine at the airport, when this goes through. So you warn them first because it, it looks like a rocket launcher. <laughs> And I suppose one of my final thing is, make a bad recording. That's my advice. Go out of your way to actually do all the things I've said not to do. And the reason to do that is to check, to see what the limitations of your, material, of your equipment are, to see what you can get away with, what it sounds like when things are badly recorded, and how to avoid it. So I would get too close to your microphones, get too far away. Um, really push your gear to understand what 
what a good recording is by making a bad recording. Um, and, and also, distance to the microphone, I haven't really talked about that, but one of the, the main issues I've noticed with people who are new to recording is they record from too far away. Some people too close, but that is not... A, I'm, putting, I'm just holding the recorder about a metre away. That's not a good way to make a recording, and it will never be. It might make everyone feel comfortable in the room and less sort of threatened by the recorder, but that will not get a nice, good, close recording of someone's voice. It might get a nice atmosphere um, or a sense of the room, but um, it, it won't sound... It won't do what you want it to do. And the final thing I'll say, a good combination for recorders, uh, small portable recorders, is a mono microphone and the, the stereo inbuilt microphone. So this, the mono microphone you can plug in and use for all your interviews. You don't have to hold the recorder up. You get all the advantages of an external mic. Um, and when you want to record atmospheres, sound effects, um, you can use the inbuilt stereo mics and you actually get it in stereo. And then when you come to mix your program, you have the advantages of stereo textures and atmospheres, and, um, but with all the advantages of an external mic for the interviews. Any questions? Um, look, this may not be... Yeah. It's a bit lateral. What if you want to uh, have something like a two-in-one, so yeah. something that films and something that you can use to record for radio? Is that... Are you across that sort of possibility? Uh, do you mean or about you think... like recording video at the same time? Yeah, but look, is there anything you'd recommend or you just think that's cutting corners? Uh, look, it's all down to the quality of the microphone and, the, and getting a good connection. There are, there are some recorders that are designed to record um, video and audio aimed at musicians. Uh, Zoom do one, um, which is basically it's a camera with a microphone. But for what for voice recording, for interview recording... I think it's, um, it's not a great solution. I think the best solution is any sort of recorder that can take uh, a balanced mic input. There are other ways. It doesn't necessarily have to be balanced, but at least then you're guaranteed um, of a good, secure connection. You can also record separately as long and sync them up later, which causes you other problems. But um, I think generally tools seem to be designed for one or the other thing. Sometimes people will record with the the inbuilt uh, mic in their camera and record it separately with a recorder like a portable recorder. Um, but yeah, it comes down to the quality of the, the inputs. Yeah, there are, there are some products on the market that are, um, but generally they're one thing or the other. Could you talk about lapel mics and head-worn mics? Yeah. And also, um, is it possible, just based on what you just said, is it possible to have the internal mic um, recording as well as using an external mic Absolutely. at the same time. Some, it depends on so, your recorder, but some, yeah. some actually can do that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and lapel mics, um, they can be good. Obviously, they're used in video a lot. Um, I, my experience is with them is that they generally don't, when they're put in context with material that's recorded on microphones in a, a, at a good distance, they can sound a bit dif distant. Um, it depends entirely on the room. So much depends on the acoustics of the room you're in, but they can be used... But uh, I think because of their distance from um, the mouth, they can sound a bit distant sometimes when you combine them with other things. But I think as a, a problem solver, and if they're used in the right way, you, you, can, you can often get okay results with them. Oh, and, head, and headset ones gen can work really, really well. Um, sometimes you can get the opposite problem and you can be too close to people. But I think the headset, is, that's a really good way if people, um, my preference would be a headset over a lapel any day.
Um, I just had a question about, I know we all seem fascinated about XLR connections. Yes, um, they're very popular. Yeah, um, can you just um, advise, would you say uh, mini jacks and quarter inches jacks are, the XLR is far preferable to them in most situations, are both of those other connectors vulnerable to interference? Look, they are not balanced, and balanced connections, which is what we call those, have an inbuilt ability to reject interference. So as long as your cable lengths are short, um, it shouldn't be a problem. I, they're not inherently bad, but I think it is a physically less secure connection, and there's lots of people who make nice recordings using those inputs, but um, they are somewhat more susceptible to interference. And also from vi and when you move the lead, um, because of the way they, they latch in over time, the pins that secure them can get loose and you can start to get crackles creep, creeping in. So with um, adapters, like if you've got a, a mini jack and you add a quarter inch connector on the end of that to fit it into the right... Exactly, absolutely. The more connections, the more, the more vulnerability. The, the longer the connection, the more pressure that's on that connection, the more chance you have of it, of it failing. Okay. Um, which is why... the. That's one another advantage of the XL, yeah. So, um, but yeah, as long as you, I would do it with a lead rather than a, an adapter. Yeah. That was Stephen Tilley speaking at the AudioCraft conference. If you want to explore some more of those gear options, follow up on Stephen's suggestion and dig into Jeff Town's tool reviews on transom.org. This session was recorded on the day by RM, and our podcast is produced by Beck Fari. Music by James Milsom. If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast and sign up to our newsletter at audiocraft.com.au. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at audiocraftconf.